0: Now, let's get to this week's episode.
1: All right, everyone. <clears throat> Are we back. okay
0: mentioning numbers?
1: Always okay mentioning numbers. Okay. Welcome back, everyone, to the Millennial Dentist Podcast. Um, holy cow. We made it. We made it to the new. We've already started. Office. We've already started. <laughs> I'm kind of a live guy, you know that. <laughs> uh, if you want to talk about
0: things and like, figure yeah, out what man. I, I, was, I was going to. I've already got it all written down. Steve has got, got a list well,
1: over perfect, Then I'm gonna let you lead anyway. Yeah. So, so
0: uh, uh, all right, everybody. I've got a special program yeah. for everybody. It's a, it's a proud day for me. I've got to be honest with you. Um, I have a uh, almost like a little brother here in Sully, uh, almost like a big brother here in Rick. I was thinking Uh,
2: you're more the granddad here.
0: (laughs) 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 And uh, today is the grand opening of Sullivan Dental Partners' uh, long-term vision of their new building. And I want to talk about how we got here, the process, what steps have been part of this along the way. Um, You know, because a lot of times what happens is... We don't recognize the steps of the journey until we reach a destination, because we don't we don't know what we're doing as we're doing it. Right. It isn't until we get to the end that we can take a look back and see what we've done. Um, but to give everybody some context, uh, this is how crazy this weekend is. Um, they closed their office on Friday
1: a week
2: ago. Yes. Today is Thursday. Yeah, we're good, Okay, yeah, we, we, need, we need help with what day it is right now. <laughs> um, uh,
0: I came in yesterday, which is a Wednesday, and they're moving into the new building, which is, you know, a hundred, couple hundred feet away, which makes it a little bit easier. They have a photo shoot going on. We're setting up the training center, and we're hosting two classes on Thursday, Friday, and then another one on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, all on the same weekend. Uh, and uh, the building is a beautiful it's eleven thousand square feet dedicated to dentistry. It houses three unique uh, things in here. We house a general dental practice on the first floor. We house a surgical center designed for large case surgical dentistry on the second floor, and we house a conference room training center uh, on the second floor as well. So. There's uh, some unique aspects of that that maybe doesn't apply to everybody, but what I want to do is is that we work on building the dream. And the overall message, I think, is sometimes we hold our dreams back because of flexibility issues. and if we test and experiment and prove the concept before we start building we can then find that we can execute our dreams at a higher level. So before we talk about the building, let's uh, take a step back. And we are joined by Dr. Rick Sullivan, uh, which is Richard Sullivan III, correct? Correct. And uh, before Sully talks, we don't want Sully to talk at all yet. Uh, Rick, give us your story briefly, okay, about you as a dentist pre-Sully
2: out of school in 1988. Okay. Um, my dad was killed in a hunting accident in 1987, my senior year in dental school. And your dad was a dentist? My dad was a dentist, had a very successful practice uh, in 1987. He had three assistants, three hygienists, working on six chairs. Wow. Uh, by himself. By himself. Oh, crazy. In Linda Miles' first book, she referred to my dad as uh, the rabbit on roller skates. And she talks about the way different dentists work. Okay. I get it honestly, Sally. Yeah, I was going to say, this explains a lot, actually. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, when I got out of dental school, uh, some of my father's pr- friends, study club people, had kind of kept the practice going uh, by volunteering their time. And I spent most of my senior year up here actually working in the practice under their guidance, which means they were reading the paper in the office and I was practicing.
0: Mm-hmm. To keep the practice going,
2: when I actually graduated. So I brought the practice, actually, about half of it had a partner by the other half. We were together for two or three years, and he kind of went his own special ways, and that was an amicable thing. So I bought the building that we were currently just left in 1993 and grew it from two hygienists, uh, one assistant, up to I've, when Sully got there in 2015, I had five chairs, three hygienists, two assistants, two up front, and I was running about one and a half a, a million a year. By uh, yourself? By myself. I offered oral sedation. I did everything except uh, any kind of orthodontics. Yeah. Oral sedation. I did all my third molars. Always had um, offered LENAP. Uh I restored the implants. I dabbled in placing them years ago, but frankly, I was gotten. I'd gotten so busy that I, I had time. I struggled to make for the scheduling, which where there's a lot of the stuff we've done now with the block scheduling stuff has fixed all that. Uh, I really needed an associate probably seven or eight years before Sully got out of school. But at the time, I was concerned with how am I going to split my practice, how is this going to work, how am I going to divide the practice in half, uh, really had no idea exactly what that was going to look like, other than my son's graduating in three months, so we went down to the Henman in March of '15. Uh, ended up coming back with eight chairs, eight operatories, um, remodeled the office, and he got out of school in June, and we started. And we just kind of started working together, and... He started implementing ideas.
0: So I think that's a good place. So that kind of gives us the story of where we got, you know, where we were at. Okay. So you're in 2,700 square feet. You had grown it to eight operatories by adding walls here and there. You bought all new equipment because you had your son going in uh, with you. And you were doing about 1.4, 1.5 million in collections, which is an amazing
2: number. But I was also burnout. Yeah. He will tell you that. Yeah, you were working hard. I was working hard.
0: You, oh,
1: you, it's amazing how like his, his, his growth, looking back, was so stunted by busyness.
0: Yeah, and, I, and I'll talk about this at DS World a little bit, but it's uh, some of us substitute busyness instead of business, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a single letter change, but it's a big difference. So what was your fear about bringing in, let, let's not just, just call it an associate. It happens to be your son. What was your biggest fear there?
2: Uh, How am I going to split it up? How am I going to still make my monthly payments? How am I going to make my mortgages and my monthly commitments? Mm -hmm. By suddenly having half the, you know, and technically half the patience, half the workload, what's it going to look like? Okay.
0: And would you say that a lot of your contemporaries and colleagues face that same fear and challenge?
2: I'd be shocked if they didn't.
0: Yeah. And I think the main difference there was you felt a level of force because it was your son, correct?
2: On some level, exactly.
0: Yeah. So it's not like you could say, oh, I, well, you know, maybe I just won't do an associate because, y- you know, you have a number one, your third generation dentist. There's Richard Sullivan, the first, Richard Paul Sullivan, the second, mm-hmm. Richard Sullivan, the third, and there should be Richard Sullivan, the fourth, all in the same, you know, in the same practice. There's no reason for Sully to go somewhere else. What was Sully's first six months and year like? What, what, how did he enter into the practice? Was it very similar to probably what most associates do?
2: I would say so. Basically, we had him start checking hygiene, mm-hmm. uh, and he started out in August of that year. In, <laughs> diagnosing
1: every etch Diagnosing possible. every etch.
2: Probably did a, over 100 MODs or two surface fillings that August. Uh, <laughs> I like more thinking. than he'll ever do again in his life total. And uh, we would sit every afternoon in the, in the office and kind of co-diagnose cases. We would take photographs. We would take x-rays and we'd go up and – and that was uh, huge. And on some level, he let me mentor him. Mm-hmm. And say, so, okay, this is what you did. We would t- you know, I would open up a class two or whatever and take an natural photograph, and he would do the same thing. He would say, okay, where's the decay? Did you get it all? Should you have done a crown there? Uh, that's why you got a pulp exposure. That's why you didn't. Let's walk through the day, almost a debrief. Um,
0: and how much time did this take?
2: 30 minutes, maybe? Yeah, we could, we, we would do it during the day. Minutes, uh, we, don't, we need to make more of that time now. Mm-hmm. yeah well we'll both tell you that because we're that doing was... it
1: again you know the building robbed a lot of time this past year with Megana, and she's been a trooper because a lot of our mentoring that we would have liked to have done we haven't done as much but we have to get back at that now with the fourth doctor coming in
0: so again i'm sitting here talking to dr rick sullivan and sully sullivan and we're talking about their journey over the last five and a half six years from uh being a solo practitioner to in into a new eleven thousand square foot building now and um I think what you just said, uh, Rick, is so important is that you forced a debrief on a daily basis to calibrate each other.
2: Cal- to, calibrates are really good work. And
0: to mentor uh, Sully about the culture, your clinical – you see, there's two cultures in the practice. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a business and personal culture. In other words, you know, whether you're fun, whether you wear white coats or don't wear white coats. Exactly. Whether you're in scrubs, whether you shaved every day, whether you're a tie.
2: Whether you had a man bun.
0: Yeah, man – you know, whether um, – you know, just the, the culture, like when somebody walks into your office, they sense a culture from how your team treats everybody, the personality, okay, yeah. of your practice. And then there's a clinical culture. Are you just letting patients dictate what type of treatment you do? Or are you diagnosing ideal dentistry? Are you over, di- you know, quote unquote, over-diagnosing uh, dentistry? There's a clinical culture. And that time of spending 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes each day, that first three to six months uh, is formative of establishing a clinical culture, formative. And I think a lot of times we say, oh, I'll get to that, or oh, we'll get there when, you know, when so-and-so takes time off my plate. And it's probably too late at that point. And um, that's super important, okay? So Sully was doing – why do you guys laugh about how many MODs he was doing at the very beginning?
2: Because he wasn't calibrated. Okay. And he'll tell you he was diagnosing every etch. Uh, he was trying to, to be busy, mm-hmm. okay? And – you know, the calibration led to, we started planning. Okay, here's your case tomorrow. How are you going to prep this tooth? What's it going to look like? Okay, this is extraction. That Are you comfortable doing this? Okay, let's try it. You'll do it. But, Dad, you're here. Um
1: Well, I'm, what happened, too, was I would, you know, I was diagnosing every, I wasn't, you know, in dental is like, if there was any any sort of triangle that was an enamel, it was like, that needs a filling. You know, and so understanding you know, being able to look back at stuff and know, has it is it changing? Is it not changing? Mm-hmm. Has it crossed the DEJ? Um, and then the other laughter part of it is that, you know, 25, 30% of those fillings that I did in July and August, I was redoing in September and mm-hmm. October, you know, because you just don't know.
0: Well, tell me more about that. Tell me more about technique. How, why would they need to be redone? I mean, you're you not know, even seeing them on recall yet. You know, well, right. I know that, that's just seeing the ones that were supposed that were sensitive.
1: Right. So, you know, I think for me, one of the, the biggest things I struggle with out of, out of the gate, and it's been so funny being now in the opposite position of having, you know, new doctors come work with us is, um, one, there's just the sensitivity of having good bonding protocol and keeping things isolated and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I when I got out, I was like, "Well, I don't want to use a rubber dam anymore," and you know, I don't want to use any isolation. And understanding just the importance of that, and then the bigger one, which I still see today, that you know impacts all of us so much on a daily basis, is just occlusion. You know, I had no idea what kind of ramifications a high filling could have on a patient, and these patients would come in, they'd have no symptoms. I'd tell them they needed a do you know, three M.O.s or D.O.s, whatever. I'd do them, and next thing you know, they're hurting, they're calling back, and I'm like, what am I doing? I would go in there, and I would look at it. We'd take an x-ray, everything would look great. I may even redo it, and I'm like, what the heck am I doing? They're still hurting, and then Dab would go in there and mark it. They'd have them go into, like, excursive, you know. Or Wait, what's that? Of, <laughs> I know, right? Some sort of... Some sort of uh, other movement than just biting down directly on the while you're numb while you're numb and (laughs) and I would start to see these marks and see things and then I would see like oh my gosh the patients would just like a light bulb went off of that fixed it it feels better now you know and then those things and and we still see that you know how like I was very quick Megan was very quick Jackson's being very quick to be like I think this tooth needs root canal. You know, because they're responding to symptoms post treatment, it's like, well, no, 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 not necessarily. It's just because there's there may be some other factor to it. So that's the laughing part is how many of, of those. You know, and there were times where Dad had to redo them. Right, I would lose patient confidence, and you know, I I wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't have someone who was willing to kind of work with me through that those periods of me not being that clinically. Yeah. You know, Good good. Right. Yeah.
2: But also Sully was not afraid to come and ask for help. And that's a big deal to say, Hey, I I can't find this canal.
1: Oh, well, I'd be in the I, middle I, of a root canal and be like, Well, i either refer it out or I go refer it to my other my, my partner or,
2: you know, or boss. Or, or stuck bad. on a stuck on a root tip or can't get a patient numb. And rather than sit there and just spin his wheels, he comes I'd come show it became a teaching moment.
0: Yeah, and he wouldn't shame me either, like sure. What were
2: you thinking getting into this molar root canal? Which is, by
0: the way, unique because it's not unique in the traditional uh, owner-associate relationship, but it's maybe unique in the dad-son relationship. Now, I want to step back for a second, Rick, because this is, as you were telling the story, it hit home because I've dealt with this, and I know a lot of our listeners have dealt with this, is you're busy doing dentistry. Like your own patient base, your own everything. And here we got Yahoo over here, you know, doing, diagnosing every little thing and doing it and maybe not doing it well. How would you even know this was happening? Did your team come to you? What, what was that dynamic like? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants But feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career, just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, let's get back to this week's episode.
2: Well, part of it is we were in a 2,000-square-foot building, so you kind of knew when somebody took a deep breath. Okay. Uh, you know, I would have teammates. Sully would come to me and say, hey, I- I'm concerned about this. Sometimes some teammates would say, hey, ask him about this patient, or the patients would call back and say, hey, you know, I'm sensitive, or just, just trickle down things. Um, and as, you you as, wanted a pulse on your practice because right. I'm concerned. Who is this person now that's suddenly treating my patients that – you know, that my dad saw, that I saw, that some of me and some my granddad, so they're family patients to me. And, and, and that's something I still st- have, struggle know, with. struggle with on some level sometimes.
0: What advice would you give the non-father-son person listening about how to handle that period of bringing in the new dentist, associate, first six months?
2: Stay in their lane. Okay. They're a doctor. They're graduated. They have a license. They need to do what they feel comfortable with. Try not to do anything that's irreversible. And let them learn. The experiences where I had to come in and find a root canal, get a root tip out, get somebody in them, whatever. Those are the most, those the most valuable learning lessons. You know? well,
1: and it's funny because even now with Megan, like I, I, I kind of have a unique situation in that <coughs> I was the associate not very long ago, right? And now I get to be on the other side a little bit and, you know, with with Megan especially over this past year cuz she's now been in a year as an associate with us. You know, there were moments where like your dad kind of I think for has forgot a little bit of when I was so brand new and he and he'll want to jump in. I'm like, "Hey, you know, we got to let her fail."
0: Yeah, we got to make bit. it safe to fail.
1: Right. And 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 not in a way of like if she, like there
0: were not catastrophic failures. Bingo. Right. Yeah.
1: But like we got to let her try this material or work through this we gotta let her because if we just tell her everything she'll never it's adversarial then correct exactly and i think that's been huge uh because what it what happens they come around and they come around to some stuff and guess what we come around to some stuff you know because we we even him doing it 30 years you doing it as long as you have and me doing it now for you know a little bit of time you can't be afraid to learn something from someone that's new. And so, you know, she's taught us things or, you know, introduced new concept or new ideas that we've even implemented, you know, by having that kind of open-minded of like, hey, I'm willing, let's let's have this willingness to learn from each other.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, you stay in your lane, stay in your hula hoop, and don't try to micromanage and micro-control everything. Um, be available when asked for help, but don't try to, jump in there in places where you're not
0: what would you know, have done if sully didn't ask for help um because i've been in that situation where they're not asking for help well, and i know a lot of my colleagues have been in that our colleagues have been in that situation where they don't have somebody asking
2: well, for help. at some point every dentist is going to hit a rock bottom type scenario where, th- where they're going to need some help on something Okay, they're gonna have a patient that leaves, a patient that's upset. You know, worst case scenario, they're gonna have a patient that files a lawsuit or does some like a peer review thing. So, I mean, you've gotta be willing to let, you know, you don't want it to go to that and, and hopefully they're not doing that kind of stuff. That's a, a little bit extreme, but they really have to kind of, the same way if I'm a solo practitioner and open up by myself, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to work my way through things.
1: Yeah, I wonder how much of it is that is like, did Dad, because he was my dad, did he allow me to fail more than typically we would let someone else fail on our own patients? And did that show us a light or give us help? And now with with someone who's not a Sullivan, letting her fail more because we kind of saw the it's like because it's hard for me to like, like to know like well how much how much are you letting your associates fail or micromanage right. or are they just really not asking for help. But
2: I think it's it, it, and I, I think
0: it's more than not asking for help.
1: I don't Or the I, ones
0: I've struggled with aren't asking for help. And Because and maybe, I do believe in autonomy.
1: Maybe we're maybe we're doing a good job too of like making that like like being upfront with saying like a the, culture. Number one, making a culture. Right, the number one thing I need from my associate is I need them to be able to ask for help and willingness to, to be learn.
2: teachable. Dude, if and you
1: can be
0: teachable we But could I do think it that runs. starts with also the fact that you guys are all in the same private office it's
1: a very unique thing that a lot of dentists don't do
0: you know like we're all
1: in our you have seen been my we're all together but a a lot of practices the lead doc has their own private office and all the associates are in like a
0: and that's not i don't think that's a great culture
2: all right so um but you have the doctor has to make it the lead doctor has to make it safe for when the the associate and the junior doctors do need help it needs to be a welcoming comforting mm -hmm. type environment not a
0: dental school environment
2: absolutely and the problem is so many of us come out of dental school we're so jaded
0: we want to. We want to have that. Uh, what do fraternities do? The hazing period, or exactly. that and, and you know that 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 teasing period, or you know that that grand rounds mentality where you're you're you know you're just kind of testing everybody. And
1: but it's so easy to react. Yeah. It's so easy for when that when that new doc comes in, and they're like, I just perf the molar, and you're you've got. A, a phone call, the patient pissed off. Mm-hmm. You got to go check hygiene and you got a patient numb in the chair. Waiting for and the you're crown. busy and you're like, right. God,
0: where am I going to put this and, patient? And,
1: now, in my schedule? and I'm like, dadgummit, what the heck were you doing the molar? Yeah. Like it's so easy to snap and react like that. Mm-hmm. And then you lose, you kill that yeah. trust and whatnot. So I think that is, that's the hard part is when that happens, being able to say, you know, make it a teachable moment and not, react like that.
2: And the other thing that, that we've learned is we, we put the most experienced assistants, mm-hmm. the mm, most that's a trained assistants yeah. with yeah. the younger doctor and we tell the younger doctor, I understand you're a doctor.
0: Did Sully tell you that idea? Because he probably stole it from I'm Oh, that was a dad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a dad
2: it. It. The younger doctor needs to understand, if Darlene gives you an instrument, use it. Yeah. Because she's seen me do that wisdom tooth 8,000 times and she knows that instrument is the key to getting this out. You may have never seen it before, do something mm-hmm. with it. <laughs> yeah. You and, know, and be willing and to let. And he had her to sacrifice
1: that. The assistant that he used yeah. for 20 years was the assistant I had, yeah. and she's now with Magna.
0: You know, mm-hmm. and we do that in our office as well is that we put uh, in our office is Whitney number one. We try to put them with our associate as much as possible. And then I like working with um, the other assistants as well because the side benefit of that is you're training them up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're getting to see where they're weak, where they're not as strong, any number of things. And then the other thing is when we do flip-flop assistance, like I start thinking like, okay, why was she not handing me this? Or why was she doing this? And it gives me an opportunity to talk to the dentist. Hey, I noticed uh, that when we were bonding something, like,
2: you didn't use bonding agent, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, or you, or you, you, The bonding agent was sitting out from before when the patient came in, you know, and it just they're blowing, in. they're blowing water, they're washing <laughs> off the bonding agent. Any there's number of silly. things, yeah. right? Nothing's <laughs> nothing that egregious in my right. office, but but it gives me that ability. I think as a senior doc, it's it's good for me to every, you know, as much as I complain about having to do basic dentistry, there's some benefit of me seeing how that's being done in our practice as a business owner. But I think this is a good opportunity to keep moving along the timeline here okay so we we had a fear of bringing sully in we didn't have much of a choice okay so that's a unique uh and blessing to you guys that you didn't have a choice because uh, let me ask you this would you be where you're at today without having brought
2: him in absolutely not okay
0: and, and you think that's because he's your son well i think part of that is because he's your son but i think ultimately you would definitely be in a better place having had anyone with you at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I
2: actually bypassed up a phenomenal associate, young doctor, mm-hmm. young lady doctor, probably several years prior because I was waiting for him. But mm-hmm. I look back now, knowing what I know, she could have come on, yeah, grown the hired practice, her. Yeah. hired her, and then we'd have been even more ready for him. Yeah. And we'd have been out of that building a lot sooner.
0: It's interesting you say that. So uh, I want to talk about that, and then we'll move on to the next, next section Here is, uh, We're dealing with that in a couple of people in our mastermind. They're like, I've got a third-year dental student. They're from here. They want to move here. I'm going to wait a year. I'm like, you're going to struggle for a year for somebody that may or may not come? Like, you never knew. Sully may, not, Sully may have met a beautiful woman and moved somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Or he might have met a beautiful man. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know Sully at that time. But <laughs> I'm sure he's been a woman. Yeah, um, and moved somewhere else. And here you would have held yourself back. And I think the other point, which we're, we're going to get into because it proved true on the back end of this, is that bring somebody in and, and test the waters, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I think when we talk about Magna, that, that'll be a good time to talk about that. So, so you had this fear of essentially what most people think of bringing the associate in is you cut your practice in half, okay. <coughs> How did you guys get past that fear because to a certain degree you're you're landlocked, and your building is only so big, okay uh you know it's and not necessarily like you're doing a lot of marketing at that time. Were you doing any marketing
2: random little little thing essentially nothing yeah a little yeah. civic club the like. yellow
0: pages were out by then, right yeah. Rick
2: you yeah, had a web page you know my, our <laughs> our website t- is tennessee dentist dot com so I got that in like ninety five yeah. so I, we've been early adopters
0: so um what got you past that fear of cutting your income and going there? Walk us through. And, and the, what I'm trying to get through here is the value of technology and procedural growth and CE in that, that, uh, and, and what that looked like. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into full arch implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker, there's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories, you're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode.
2: Well, I've always done, been sort of a CE junkie and okay. always try to realize that investing in myself, which is one of the things that we teach, uh, is your best investment. You know, I'm betting on me. Yeah. Um, he went and took six months' miles okay. before he graduated. So he's in six months' miles continuum with a bunch of dentists. It was kind of funny. They're like, oh, well, how'd you practice? Well, I'm still in school. So when he got out of school, and started offering orthodontics.
0: And you weren't doing orthodontics no, in your practice? but to
2: long-term patients that I'd tried to send to the orthodontist for years, next thing you know, he's got six or seven or eight or ten cases going. I'm sitting back going, wow, this is kind of crazy. So that part of the practice started building. Um, he went and did the CEREC doctor's courses real quick, mm-hmm. to get up to speed, because we were CEREC practice. And he pushed me to get more into CEREC, okay, not mm-hmm. just single crowns to the point where I don't think we moved any impression trays over in the move. Maybe That's I hit, a lie. I hit a few. <laughs> I squ- tried. We scrolled some away. Uh, but it, it wasn't like we had a lull time where he wasn't suddenly you know, improving the bottom line. It's like, wow, this is working. I'm busy. Because suddenly now I was able to begin to do the things I wanted. And he was starting to pick up the hygiene checks and the restorations and the general dentistry. All of a sudden, I'm going to do more wisdom teeth more sedation, more than At that point, he's like, dad. And these patients are in your practice. So, well, all over the place.
0: Yeah, so if you don't mind, uh, Sully, I think that's a good exit point for us to talk a little bit about um, that part of it. I think sometimes people, what we're learning through our mastermind and working with more dentists now, is people don't realize that there's a opportunity cost that fillings and crowns and general busyness, right. hygiene checks, even in this case, uh, uh, even if you're doing wisdom teeth. Wisdom teeth is costing you linaps or whatever it may be, right? Talk to us about uh, wh- looking back, how you see the opportunity cost and what you would tell other dentists about what your dad was just talking about. Well, I saw it
1: early on, I, I guess, with him, you know, because I saw that he had a super robust skill set and that he was surgically... Was was really really good right It was doing his own all fully impacted third molars and i'm like dude if you're doing this why aren't you placing implants right and you know you saw hey it was the the challenge with him was he was so busy doing fillings of crowns and there was no block scheduling it, w- it was the scheduling of just you know it was his dad's schedule what <laughs> i got six chairs i'm just yeah, gonna just, run it it was just it was just you know and, and we, we train our team members To fill the schedule. In the worst way possible, which is we train them to make sure that schedule is full. And so, well, what do they do? They just keep it full. So the schedule's always full, which is great, but it's filled with the wrong stuff.
0: As a side note... I want to make sure we have this conversation with our mastermind group this weekend, because some of them are starting to see that as they've implemented photography that they're with the general you know, some slowdown in their practice. They're worried, and I want to talk about uh, the risk, the, the right. negatives <coughs> of, of of pushing fill 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 fill. Because I leave
1: I leave blocks open now, yeah. you know, to the last minute. But anyways, yeah, the so for me mindset-wise, Dad and I are kind of different. You know, Dad, and and maybe it's the way we grew up or just the way that he saw his dad Well, work, you're spoiled. Then, He's not. Well, yeah, or maybe that too. <laughs> so, but I definitely am, have come from a little bit more of um, just a work smarter, not harder kind of mentality. So <laughs> instead of not, right, like, like Dad, you know, I joke all the time that Dad will be at the lake outside like blowing the wood- leaves out of the woods, yeah. right? I'm like, what are you doing? That's like the woods. Um, but that was kind of the mindset of, of I came in here and okay, well, what can we do? How can we do things differently or to be more effective? And I started like looking at things and saying, okay, well, how, if I do, if my goal is to produce, you know, $3,000 a day, um, then I could do that doing a bunch of Delta Dental $150 fillings, or I could do two implants or one ortho case. And so I was like, well, that makes a lot more sense. So for me, very quickly, I started targeting my CE at things that could elevate my production at a minimal, you know, time stance. Um, and then what, what what's happened now, and I, which I really see it is because is I joke all the time that you know that my production this past year has significantly um, increased. Hold on, we're taking a picture.
0: We're just so proud. I mean, are you kidding me? So yeah. So my so
1: it, it's interesting. I've worked less days this year. Uh, Dad's worked less days this year, but for a lot of reasons. What? But
0: I want us to go backwards. I want us to think about. I want us to talk about. I'm sorry. Because no, no, that's, no, I, no. I want yeah, that yeah. part's gonna get there. Okay. okay I may jump ahead a little bit. Um, I want us to talk about the light bulb that should have gone off in your dad in Rick's head, of oh my god. I brought an associate in. I was a fearful of where the business was going to come from. I suddenly had open spots because I was I was feeding my associate, and that's something else we should talk about a little bit later, yep. is the mindset of feeding an associate. Uh, and then suddenly your open margins, not dental open margins, but schedule open margins, were filled with highly productive procedures which were already inside of your practice. And that to me is the amazing part. It's not like you weren't offering wisdom teeth, it's because you were more available, you were able to do more wisdom teeth on your existing patient base. So, the first course he took post me, uh,
1: you know, we, we bought combim and then it was an implant refresher. Right. And next thing you know,
2: yes, so I are come back, back in January of 17 with the commitment every extraction is going to be a graft and membrane. Yeah. And I would say to this day, we're still in the high 90 percentages. Yeah.
1: So he, so he, you know, and now, which this gets into total kind of sidebar effect, which I don't think Dad minds sharing, um, but part of it again was, you know, Dad about the time that I was coming out of dental school, you know, started to probably look at his financial life too, and trying to figure out where he was based off, you know, where he wanted to be retirement and what he had done. What I mean, he he's fifty two at
0: this point, right?
1: right? Exactly, and and I think it, it became challenging too to start to see that because. For him, he was trying to shuck away as much money as possible, you know, at the same time. So he was definitely in like, okay, how can I, what can I do to get more income to do those things? And I think that was the surprising thing that he saw was his income, the first year I was there, was the most, he had, he had personally the most production he's ever had the year I came in. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: without a patient-based growth. With, without I, I keep without going a patient-based back, growth. That's what I keep going back to.
1: Our, our patient base grew uh, within the first three years, only 500 patients.
0: That, which is nothing in the scheme of things. No, no. And, no but you doubled like, your practice. You more than doubled your practice. That in, in that time. And by the way, I want to talk about this because I hear this from associates all the time. And so this is, a de- this is directed at the owner dentists out there. Because so many of them in your, were in your position, Rick. And they say, well, this is my opportunity to squirrel away money. And they go into this tightening mode. Mm-hmm. And they don't invest in their practice, and and I talk about comma thinking versus decimal thinking, and that savings mentality. I'm going to save my way to retirement, that decimal point thinking versus the comma thinking, which is okay. I'm not going to spend my way to retirement, but I'm going to invest into my practice. Uh, so that that's a good segue, actually. Talk to us about because I've heard you, I've heard Rick, I've heard you say this many times. Uh, maybe it's just through Sully, but I've heard it from you as well that. CBCT was a game changer for
2: you. Oh, no, one, 100 could not be more accurate. Um, so talk
0: to us about that. Talk to us about the decision process, what led to that decision, and what, what the outcome of that was. So
2: that was one of those things is my, my planner was like, you know, I said I want to buy a and he's like, well, you know, let's, let's, let's wait until Sully gets there so he can help pay for it. But in reality is once refresher on the implant course, come back, start taking – extractions and stuff become grafts led to implants but we found all that because we started doing cone beam so we came back we put the cone beam in april 2016 and immediately and
0: sully had uh
2: joined already at this point he had been out one nine year nine months nine months okay so we came back and no,
1: i didn't join the practice i didn't i didn't buy until january 1st no no but you were in already
2: were in the oh, practice yeah. you were already in the practice so basically one of the things too is i was so busy i wasn't checking my hygiene every time so there was a lot of lost opportunity there on a regularly recurring basis that when he came in and started checking hygiene all the time, we were able to catch up on that. But once we got the cone beam, it was like Oprah. Everybody gets a car, everybody gets a cone beam. People are like, what do you charge for them? Give them away. It doesn't matter. The, what? Diag- the dentistry you're going to find and diagnose with the cone beam and, sa- and help patients understand and accept is off the charts.
1: But the flip side of this, which we have to comment on, is that what Dad did as soon as I came in was – he was feeding me with a lot of dentistry, but he took that opportunity now to re- replace himself, to go, go take himself
0: to the next level. Uh, take some CE. Right. Pick so, and like, in
1: 2019, at age whatever he is, 57, 58 at that point, um, he, had, he was, had the most CE of any dentist in Tennessee. And what he got the, the
2: CE award. 200, at, 275 hours. At
1: that, you know, and who's taking like, – because that was the mindset of, like, I'm just going to keep investing and growing – my thing, so I keep making myself more valuable to the practice, and that I can only do these niche things. And anything that these other dentists can do, they should be should be doing. So he kept investing. So the CBCT became so valuable because we saw the opportunity in the the the, the endo problems, mm-hmm. the missing teeth, the seeing implants, guided surgery, all these type things. And then instead of just looking at them, we saw patients in our practice that were already there, didn't have to go pay money to get them in, marketing, anything like that. And we said, well, gosh, we should just do, instead of send that patient out, we should learn to do the dentistry that now we can do with the technology that we diagnose."
0: Let's step back for a second here. So um, selfishly speaking here, okay? Uh, So CBCT is what led us to first meet each other.
1: It did. You were... uh, the Patterson 3D Summit
0: yeah, In mm-hmm. here in Nashville, you yeah. spoke and
1: we bought the company. In January yeah. of 16.
0: So, so I, in a not self-serving way, I, I really not in that way, is the reason I'm asking, let me frame it better, okay? The reason I'm asking these questions is so many people listening have heard the story, oh, it changes this, it changes that, but yet they do nothing. Right. And what people don't talk about enough is walk through the, the decision-making process. The fear, because there's a fear. It, it's not like CBCT was fifty thousand dollars. One hundred and twenty grand. We bought ours. Right. It was, and so it's not. It's, I want to put it into perspective. Number one, it was one hundred twenty thousand dollars back then. Okay, you had just bought eight chairs. Okay, you your practice was just starting to grow again. I've only been there nine months. Nine months. months. So <laughs> it's not like you really saw the fruits of all of that. Correct? No. You know, so so you you're doubling down in a sense, correct? So so what were the fears? So and, and I want to back up one more second in that. And and this is an important message, I think, okay? It's too often as dentists, when our reps come to us and invite us to learning slash sales events, we go into it with a negative attitude of I don't want to go get sold anything. But at the end of the day, Part of my question is, is if XYZ distributor hadn't invited you to that particular event, would you have bought ConeBeam? And if you didn't, let's see what wouldn't have happened. Yeah. You, know, you, you know what I mean? So, so it's, it's, nobody says you have to go and buy, you, but you owe it to yourself to at least go and see what's possible. So walk me through your fears of spending 120 grand, which essentially at that point is your money,
2: mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because it's not his money. Right. Um, we felt like that was the next step for us. Okay, so we we knew it needed to happen.
0: What made you go to that particular event? Uh, Scott, right?
2: Serik, Serik, Dennis Serona. because right. I was already a CEREC practice since 2007. Well, no
0: offense, back then it was still Serona. It was Serona. It was the great old days. It was, <laughs> the,
2: it was the days of the Blue House of Blues party in Chicago. Yeah. Um, I wanted to stay at the time with something that would. I believed their technology. You had I,
1: seen what Sarah had done for I, your practice. Thank you. I would
2: seen what Sarah had done. I, I believed, so in, the no I believed in the company. I believed in the process. To
1: hear them out first. Okay.
2: Right. And and you were there. Uh, August was there. Yeah, Neil. Uh, Neil. The, it, the, I mean, uh, all the, the heavy group. hitters were there. And so it's like, if you don't buy now, something's the matter with you. Yeah. And so they, they had it. They, we called a local bank. We got the financing. Installed it. Had the computers upgraded a little bit. And, you know, we used it. But that's yeah, the thing. We, when the thing. they got in, we used it. With three hygienists, suddenly we're taking literally thirty comb beams a day. Mm-hmm. So we were spending all this time. You know, at night we were looking through them. Afternoon, our part of our regroup is now we're reading comb beams together. And I'm finding, and I used to tell Sully that he, he joked about this. The answer is always occlusion. Well, now it's always occlusion until you get a comb beam. Then it's...
1: There's a massive abscess. Then there's a massive <laughs> abscess. It's
2: endo. It's it's a extraction graft implant. But now I can show this to patients on a 52-inch screen, 60-inch screen in the hallway or in the room, and they, they suddenly understand it. The, the doctor thought enough of his practice in his patients to invest in this so the patient understands it. It's a communication tool just like the photography. And patients said yes, and yes, and yes, and yes.
0: It. yeah so so okay so now we we've, we've leveraged cone beam now we start adding implants to the practice are you placing implants at this point tully uh i went and got my implant training uh that summer all right how do you guys compete with each other because it's one thing in my practice when i bring an associate in and i'm up front like listen i'm doing the implants right now which which i'd love to talk about the negatives of that as well in the big scheme the of long things. run yeah yeah and um so so, how how are you guys comp- how are you guys handling the competing with each other part? Because you want to do implants too, correct? No, we both are. Right, I know now you that are. That was but... hard. That oh. was a hard period. So a hard period for us because was... a lot of dentists face this, right? Like I, I, you know, either they don't bring an associate with a lot of skills because they're afraid they're going to compete with themselves, or, you know, or they give away all the good stuff, which I have a problem with that too. But that's a different story. Uh, or or they 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 have this. This clash and this com- competition trying to do the, the fancy stuff, and then the person ends up leaving. Right. And that, that was a hard, there were two parts that were really hard for us. One was, um,
1: which was kind of trickling together, was one was as, as we approached that summer where I learned to do implants, we started competing more. I also saw the practice of profitability going up like crazy. You know, now we're in year two, we're, we're, on, we're close to 2 million you know, going from one, four, one, five to two million. And I'm just seeing this to go up and I'm like, Hey, I want to buy in. Right. And so, and personality wise, I'm bulldoggy, maybe a little yeah. bit on some of that probably. And just like, I was like, Hey, I, I call wanna,
0: that spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: I don't know. I just, you know, I'm so, and I wanted to do that stuff too. And you know, I had this mindset of like, which obviously I talk a lot about on, on the podcast of like, if you want it, go get it, but go take the CE, go learn to do it. You know, put your money where your mouth is, and that I wanted to be the best, and I wanted—I didn't want to wait to have to do good you clinical dentistry. You didn't want to wait time, your turn. yeah. And that, and that, and there's there was good aspects to the bad aspects. The negatives were I probably learned a lot of things the hard way because I didn't wait. I, I was cowboy, whatever it was. But then there's a lot of good aspects, right? I wouldn't be here if I didn't push push so mm-hmm. hard sometimes. Um, and so for us, it was difficult to share that thing, but I think the core of Why it's been successful is because both of us try to come back to a mindset of abundance versus scarcity. Exactly. And and that we don't – even though we both want to do more implants, we both want to do more wisdom teeth. Because I'd be lying if I told you there haven't been days that we are basically yelling at each other on how he got to see that consult and I didn't and who scheduled that. And, you know – Because at
0: the end of the day – while you are family you still have your own life to fund mm-hmm. your we, own family to take care of you have your own family to take care and of and for
1: the most part we we're paid off eat what you kill yeah. right i mean like and it's that, a as production it be. mindset of yeah. yeah so like for me like that was why did he get that hybrid and you didn't yeah and so that was hard and like and we had to we had to keep coming back to and and we were we were fortunate in that family ultimately from day one was the we can't stay
2: Mad at each other. Thanksgiving dinners get really awkward that way.
1: And I think that's a that's definitely a point that is was is an incredible like the whole father son thing. If there's anything that is has is an advantage, it was that. And but there's some that don't work that way because they can't get over it. But for us, it was like we're going to be we're going to have that same relationship, and we're trying to have that with Megan too. Because if at the end of the day, the relationship is the most important, and that goes back to culture, mm-hmm. then. We can have those arguments and then we can come back to saying, okay, hey, if we both want to do this, what do we need to do to make it fair or what do we need to do to keep bringing in more so that there's so much abundance that it doesn't it doesn't matter, right? Because at the end of the day, there's plenty of the dentistry to go around.
0: No disrespect to you, Sully. I'm going to give Rick 80% of the credit on this. I think his personality I agree. is, is I totally uniquely- agree uniquely unique uh, to, to, to kind of say, t- take one for the team.
1: Well, dad, talk a little bit about, I mean, this, could, this could go into a total of the rabbit sure. holes, which is probably a great podcast on some level, but you know, talk about where you were personally uh, just from a standpoint of if, if I come into the practice probably 10 years earlier, we are no longer together. We probably have a totally dysfunctional father son relationship uh, and I, I agree with you. I think because of where he was at personally, which he can talk about a little bit, the that's the key to probably all this, all of it.
2: We're gonna go there. All right. I'm not saying you're to to comfortable. I'm doing.
1: To the comfort level that you want to go there. Yeah,
0: absolutely. There's there's
2: 2012. I got involved with a 12 step group. Okay. Called Al-Anon. It is a 12 step group for family and friends of alcoholics. And I had some alcoholics in my family, and that affects us all. It's a family disease. By working through that program and working through the twelve steps, I realized my part in that, and my part in what I needed to fix in me. We focus on ourselves, and so by working through four or five or six seven years of recovery, at this point. It allowed me to treat Sully in a different way um, because one of the big symptoms of someone who was where I was was we try to control everything. I had an opinion, and yours ought to be the same as mine. It was a very black and white world. This is how we do it. This is how it should be done, period. And I realized my own character defects that I had to improve and work on and how that affected all my relationships, not just my relationship with the people in my life that were alcoholics. And so by doing that, I learned to find, you know, serenity, peace, however you want to call it. And one of the things was learning to give up control, sort of the let go and let God mentality, okay? Okay. And like Sully said, this can get on a whole squirrely rabbit hole. And I'll try, I'm trying to kind of synopsize this a little bit. But basically, I realized I wasn't going to control Sully. I need to let him be him. I need to stay in my lane, stay in my hula hoop. And by doing that, that gave him the freedom to grow. Good and bad, probably. Good, No, good and bad. Because what happens is...
0: But all good in the end. Oh, for sure.
2: Just like as a parent, if you give a child a car and they wreck it, they don't really see the loss in that. But if they work hard on the summers and buy their own car, they're a lot more proud of that. It's that you give them the opportunity to win. Okay? The kid that puts himself through school and comes out with a degree is a lot more appreciative of that degree than the kid who was given a trust fund. There's a general rule. And so by by giving him the the dignity to both succeed and fail, it allowed him to grow faster and allowed him to um win. But it allowed us both to win. You know, Sully would say, you know, dad's on the grace train. You know, rather than judge people, and and this is how I treat patients now too, as everybody's where they are, let's address them that. Yeah. And the same with my team members, the same with with people in life, okay? But what it's done for me personally, it allowed me to translate that over to to my professional life too. And if I had tried to micromanage and microcontrol, it would have been a disaster. But by sitting back, giving up control, giving him the dignity and the opportunity to bring in new ideas and not thinking I knew it all, that I had all the answers... But say, maybe there's a better way block scheduling, this kind of marketing. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And giving you the opportunity to bring those back, even though they were, most of them were your ideas. <laughs> That's okay. Uh,
0: That's why I give out the ideas for people who them, use them. But
2: allowing. Not steal
0: them, but
1: use them. I'm, I'm T-Bone's best implementer. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, question, without without question. question. Every time he would come question. to Raleigh and
2: come back, it was like, oh, here we go. What's this weekend? But that allowed him to blossom. Rather than me keep cutting down and, you know, cutting the flower off for it at the bud.
1: Well, and what part for me, what was so impactful, not only as a son, but like as an associate at the time and trying to learn like how to do dentistry was the, I saw that and that made me want to be more like that. Right. When he, when I would see him, him give on stuff, it made be me more, so much more willing to want to ask for help to go look for things to do that it just perpetuated that kind of mentality
0: the word i wrote down while you were talking there's a lot of important things there um the word i wrote down that i that that hit me the most was the word dignity Mm -hmm. and i think that's a word as owners as type a personalities which me and sully are for sure and, and i'm sure you are as well um sometimes we forget how to give people dignity because it's easy for us to say, Oh, you must be stupid. Why can't you get this? And I think that's an area where I have to improve myself is is to, to get to the next step. And, you know, a lot, look, I've talked to a lot of people, you know, you joke that you're probably the best implementer. And I I, I 100% agree with you that you, you have been for sure. Um, I talk to a lot of people about you as an example, and they all say, well, it must be easy. You walked into your dad's practice, or it's easy to double, triple, quadruple your practice when you have somebody driven come in. And I think, I I argue it's not easy. It's not easy to bring in a strong personality. It's not easy to bring in a strong clinical skill set. It's not easy when you're trying to squirrel away for your retirement and catch up it's not easy to go invest 120 grand plus whatever the equipment was plus the renovation of the office it's not easy to do those things i will argue that more people fail in that scenario than the scenario where they bring in a weaker person that has is their mentality is i want to be a bread and butter dentist and and to those who have said that to me, and I understand, I think a lot of it comes from jealousy, frankly speaking. Uh, that why have you gotten so much so quick? And what I tell everybody is, is I, you know, and I'm saying I'm sharing this with because you've been very open about sharing that personal story. Is is I tell people, look, Sully's not for everybody. No. He's not okay. Just like I'm not for everybody. But what you can't do with me about him is is you can't say he hasn't earned it. Okay. You've been given opportunities that have been presented to lots of other people. The difference is, is you kicked open the door when the door was barely open. And so many people have had the opportunity. They just haven't kicked open the door. And, and there's a relentlessness to you that is very annoying at times. <laughs> but I take this as a compliment, to so thank you. <laughs> no, but it is very annoying at the time. But it, 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 it's reason you, you've gotten to this point. Right. And I hope it's, it, you maintain some of that to get you to the next point, right. okay? Enough about Sully, okay? So that's, was, that, so, was, that was, that was, that was the nicest things you ever that, said about that's me. That's very <laughs> hard, okay? That's very hard. All right. The practice is growing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get into the buying process uh, and all of that, but uh, the practice is growing. You guys are now too you know, super general dentists at this point. You're both doing implants. You're both doing wisdom teeth. You've now added IV sedation to your practice. You know, you've grown hygiene. You're in this dilapidated building. Well, and what what we were doing to kind of just tie that up mm-hmm. is,
1: because you mentioned these things, is we kept pouring on more steam. Yeah. So when we saw a comb beam worked, we were like...
0: You put more fuel in the fire.
1: Right. We didn't just take that, sit in our laurels and enjoy that. We reinvested that back into... What can we do better clinically? What can we do better business wise? What
2: CE can we, we take? We kept taking CE. We, we, kept, kept, we kept investing we kept in technology. Flip.
1: My my
0: kids, thank you guys.
1: Yeah, <laughs> a lot of us <laughs> dentists. We we kept the gas to the floor, yeah. and I think that was it. That was that's a big it was important. We, so,
2: we soon bought another. We bought a Speedfire, a second yeah. oven. Another Sarah. We, we soon another bought mil. another Sarah. We bought you know, so now we're three mills and two Prime scans and a.
0: You know what's amazing to me is how many people say, "Well, I don't want to grow because I'm gonna have to spend money."
2: Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> It's the other way around. <laughs> Can't help them.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm like, wait a minute. You don't want to make more because you're going to have to spend a little bit of money. <laughs> right. I mean, anyway. Um, all right, now let's talk about the realization that uh, you needed. You were outgrowing. <laughs> you were out. Look okay, at two points, and, and I and I want to get serious for a second here. Okay, get back to being serious. The realization that you're outgrowing your space and your procedure mix is outgrowing your space, and your space wasn't reflective of the dentistry that you were doing and trying to do, okay? So let's talk about that realization and the process to the decision process because I'm, I'm looking back to – because I'm, I'm working – I don't want to say I'm good. working with you. We're yeah, friends at this, this was, point. Yeah, but this and, was huge. And um, I want to walk through that, that process. And I know it from your side, not from your side because – I was more intimately involved in, 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 in hearing these processes. Uh, so so um, let's talk about the realization, okay? Uh, when did you guys realize that you needed a new space? Outside of the fact that you wanted it when you first moved in, when did it become a business reality that your space was costing you money? Probably
2: not long after. You bought in January 1st, 2017. Mm-hmm. 50 50 partners. We formed solvent partners. Six months after that,
1: yeah, maybe it was, sooner. It was
2: I was it
0: more you or him? It was him. Yeah,
2: I figured that.
1: the the, re, the When the realization became clear that we were that that idea of okay, now we are we we no longer can catch every hygiene check. We're having to do it once a year. You know, we're having to we're getting booked out. When the realization became that, hey, I think we could use a third doctor. Neither one of us thought that was possible in our current space, rightfully so. Okay, so well, so so that that realization became so a we that's probably like need two East years Base. in,
0: basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So like three, four years ago, correct? Probably four years ago.
1: It was probably four years ago that we started kicking tires about like you know this this can't this won't be our forever home. Now, dad at that time I think was totally probably you know dad knew he was going to practice a long time, but he also I don't think knew that. The new space would be he would be as reinvigorated, reinvigorated, and so and and a and fifty percent involved in the whole thing at this point. You know, I think you know. Did you honestly think you'd finish your career over there?
2: I kind of didn't. You know, Dad always said at some point in our situation, the dirt would be more, th- more than you can make from practice in dentistry. Okay, that was a tipping point, and, we, and, we, and the the economic and the growth rounds was was approaching that tipping point. But the problem with that was. Anywhere we go now is expensive it, there's not any land everything's built out all that kind of stuff
1: and those are hard some hard conversations for us because dad owned the land, but we own the business together, so and you weren't a partner in the real estate I wasn't a partner in the real estate, so here I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to necessarily make long term plans not knowing what your plan is too you know those those were just some tough conversations that we had and so you know.
0: Two things happened. And by that, you meant you didn't want to spend a ton of money in leasehold improvements right. on something that you didn't necessarily own and that you had no control of, of where your half million dollars right? and He was concerned
2: that all of a sudden I would up and sell a practice and what we're we going to do, mm-hmm. that kind of thing.
1: And like, sure. like I knew that wasn't going to try to screw me, but it was just, it was still, it's a fear of... Of course.
0: Well, I mean, where are right? And the reason I bring that up is I, 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 I clarify that statement by what you meant because it applies to... Many people, you know, majority of dentists lease their space. Right. And that lease holds them back from investing in their practice. Right. Okay. Because they're like, well, I don't own it. I want to spend the money. And, and again, it comes back to that. You got to put money in to get the money out, you know? Right. So, okay. So we, we've decided that we need a place four years ago. Okay. Now it, it took what? A year to build this place?
2: Almost exactly.
0: A year to build a place. Let's call it six months to allocate for the getting the dirt. It was a year, basically, from when
1: we bought the land and we started building.
0: Okay, so but there—that's two years. Two years okay? of building. It's about being. a two-year process. But the reason I'm bringing this up, okay, is four years ago you realized you wanted or needed or you were seeing that this was going to exist, mm-hmm. and you know, it's we're only we are only accounting for two years of that time. Right. Let's walk through that first two years when the from the realization to actually building what we're in today, what you guys are in today. I'm visiting today. That realization. Let's walk through that two-year period. Uh, What was the process? And and let me help us along here. I know you called me a lot. Yep. And and my answer was always, "Why don't you walk through the exercise of doing that?" Because at one point you wanted to lease the space. Well, so
1: remember, so mentally, Dad and I were we wanted to own Mm -hmm. because Dad had been that's all you ever done occupied thing his entire career, and like so, I obviously that's all I see saw. So like to me, that was the mentality. Now. What really accelerated this this process um, was my grandma, to throw in some more family fun dynamics, which I know you will love, is my grandma owned the land that we're currently sitting on um, that was next door to our old building. And we had known that at some point that she would sell the land or she would do something. There was a little kind of burger bar here that – it had been a number of different things that were leasing the space, and it kind of finally became to a point where she wanted to cash out and sell the land. Well, she came to us, and I think at the time, she wanted $1.6 million, Two. Two million for the point six acres that we're sitting on for the dirt uh, and the little shack that was on it, which – was absolutely, utterly... In that was April there. of
2: 18. She called me over on a Sunday afternoon. I went to the house, and her and her husband at the time said, we're going to sell the house. We need to move to assisted living or independent living, and we need this much a month, so we're going to sell the property, and it's $2 million.
1: So that was... That moment was huge because that then... This is when everything, like, started pressing play because now Dad and I are sitting, we've got an opportunity to buy the land next door to our building. What a unbelievable opportunity to do that. And build our dream space, and make it happen. So the first thing I did was I probably called you and I called a couple other people and said, here's what I got, can this work? Um, and, emo- and And the hard part about this is, and, and T-Bone, you and I talk a lot about this with mastermind people, is that it's so hard to separate emotion from an ego and jealousy from sometimes the numbers and the reality of the situation. So dad and I both at this point are superly emotional in that Gosh, if we could get this, like, we want this space, we want this land. And you were, I mean, I remember, I remember you basically being like, dude, the math doesn't work. Like, you, and, and my, my, my so best by the friend...
0: Way, by the way, the math for this place doesn't... <laughs> looking back, this was the least of all the math. <laughs> this was the worst math ever. It'll work. But, that's, but that's a different story. But I, I
1: think the process was very important. Right. So 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 then, and my best friend's saying the same thing. He's like, dude, you can't buy that little land because you can only build so big of a building, and it just it doesn't make sense to do that. You know, and for, for a dental space. It doesn't make sense. And, and so you said, I really need you to... To you and your dad to go look at space, other space, and see what else is in your area that you would consider moving to from an owning and a leasing standpoint. And I need you to work through that process. And
2: that's what we did. And so but and I also said, if you remember, I said, wait.
1: Dad did say wait. Because I me, me, me at thirty one right, years like, old. Tomorrow, I was like, tomorrow, we tomorrow. can do it. We can make it work. We'll grind. We'll yeah. push, right? Well, I
2: had done enough real estate. Yeah. And also knew. My mother, mm-hmm. that they were asking the moon. Yeah, I knew what the comps. I knew what the, the comps moon. were. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, and so I understood that stuff. And so I said, "Just wait, let's see what happens." So we started
1: looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, How important was going through that process? Huge. We went and mm-hmm. looked probably six different spaces,
0: mm-hmm. lease and purchase, lease and purchase. Existing um, buildings, dirt. I drove you by one, remember? Yeah. We went and walked through I left. <laughs> and uh, Never really
2: looked at much dirt. It was pretty mm-hmm. much at this area, but we wanted. I wanted yeah. to stay within a half a mile. Mile or so I didn't want to get off to another township or yeah. anything like that.
1: Township. And, and so we, we found a space, and we were so far along that we had um, plans. We had plans, and, and this was another thing. I was thinking, like, do I need to get a designer, an architect, whatever? And you said, hey, you, your distributor... Yeah, will help you start to design plans basically at no cost. It's free. It's free. Take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And so we worked with Mike Williams and basically had functional plans mm-hmm. in a lease space. And that was huge for me because I've never, you know, Dad's done it a little bit, but we've really never designed a, a dental And space see what went into it. To see what went into it. So that by the time it came around to this, we had done it once, mm-hmm. you know, on paper. And through, we were literally at a point where we were, we had, we were You know, our attorneys were talking lease agreements. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and then, so you fast forward to the fall.
2: To that summer, August, I had gone to Boca to Mm -hmm. a Mm Densaplacerona treatment center event in Boca Raton. And I'm sitting there next to Mike Williams, who's the office. And this
1: land is under contract.
2: This land is with someone else. Under contract. I get a text message from my mom's attorney that the. Land came back at .6 acres, not .7, so he changed his offer. Would we be interested at?
1: It was at one point,
2: like Would, would we be interested at 1.25 million? Okay. I said, hang on. I text Sully. I look, turned to Mike Williams and said, how, can, how, how, how much does it cost to build a building on per square foot? He texts Schaub, who ultimately was our builder, <laughs> Start, We're doing with the a number. The fly, so I'm yeah. literally sitting here with three text messages, conversations going, and I, I text back the attorney, we'll take it. No bank, no nothing. Like, here we we'll go. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And then here comes the drama. So this is the fun part.
0: Yeah, but the drama is fa- family stuff. Yeah, family whatever. stuff.
2: You know. yeah. it ended up that the attorney went back to the buyer yeah. and said, get it. we had a little... Every it,
0: deal has that.
2: We had some <laughs> eBay <laughs> going. I think we it's had important eBay to mention that,
0: like, it, yeah, it wasn't like it was some... There's, there's always... Right. You're like, oh my God! It's like buying a house today. Oh, I'm getting this house. It's great. No, it's not. You know, yeah, counteroffer. Uh, well, and then, then, then emotions
1: was all. Oh, then so emotions hard. get so in hard. the way,
0: right? And mm-hmm. then that the, the the whole I'm not giving in, you know, gets you know. And there's there's yes, there's a lot to talk about there,
2: but but for, but for those that think we got it in a song and a dance because it was my mother's property, no, it's not we, true. We paid retail, and this yeah, some.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But it, but it, but it came back, in... it.
0: Yeah, so, so okay, so there's a couple of things that are important to me there, okay? Um, My dad never told me, he never made a decision for me, but I always joke that I don't make decisions without my dad, but yet he's never once in my life made a decision for me. He's always told me, well, why don't you work through that? What does it look like if you choose to rent a space? What does it look like if you choose to buy this house? Or buy this car. Or, you know, I kind of just went through that with the nonprofit place and all of that. He's like, what does it look like? What are the pluses and minuses? And it's it's a great exercise because you learn so much. You learn about leases. You learn what's hidden in leases, what's not hidden in leases. You learn what goes into a floor plan. You go learn all those things. So there's that process that sometimes we have set in our mind that this is the way we want to go. And sometimes going through the process makes us miss things. Right. Okay, we miss a deal, or we miss this, or we, we miss an opportunity, and we're going to have regrets a little bit. Sometimes going through the process allows us to be ready and available when something does show up. So on that point, what made us able to make those decisions
1: so quickly when it did come back around was because we had gone through the process. We, yeah. we knew that, okay, at that point, at that value, we could it make makes sense. it work, yeah. it made sense, yeah. it was okay. Because
0: lease space has a cost. Right. Upfitting mm-hmm. lease space has a cost. You know, the equipment is the equipment. So that's going to be, for the most part, the same, sure, sure. no matter where you go, whether you take old equipment, buy new equipment, all of that stuff. You know, you're going through the process. And another part of which will foreshadow this, you know, I don't want to talk too much detail with that, but it's you never know until you ask, mm-hmm. right, in terms of equipment. But I, I don't want yeah. to get into too much of that story. Um, but, you know, it's you never know till you ask. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is if you don't leverage and befriend reps – you wouldn't know what it costs to build something. Mm-hmm. If you couldn't turn to Mike, Mike, for example, and say how much this is and, and leverage his network. Right. He's not shooting out of the blue sky of what it's going to cost. He's like, well, this XYZ builder is a reputable builder who's built other dental offices. Let me ask them what this costs. And, right. and maybe it's, it's plus or minus 30 40 50% based on what your tastes are, right? Mm-hmm. It all varies. Of course. Okay. But at least gives you an idea so that you can do paper napkin math. And be like, okay, which we literally is, did, right? But, but that's how all things should be. It's paper napkin math. You can't, you can't be paralytical. You know, can't get paralysis in the analysis of it. Um, so okay, so I wanted to talk about going through the process of looking at space, and I try to get all the masterminders that say, you know, I've got my eye on this land. I'm like, what else have you looked like? That's it. I'm like, how can you just how can you do like I can't buy anything without it's, looking. It's because we make emotional decisions. Yeah, because we get emotion
1: and like and I. Again, there were things that you had done for me from a mentor standpoint that I saw worked. And so like it kept – you kept building your own personal yeah. capital in my, right. my trust with you because I saw what you did and it worked. So then when you would say stuff like that, I was willing to do it. And I think that sometimes the hard part is it's so hard to set aside the emotional aspect of it of, who oh, I don't want to go look at least space because I want to own
0: and when we or, say look at it, like, I mean literally look at literally it. Look at it. Now, not like just, oh, I went by and looked at it. Oh, I took a tour. Of it. I'm talking about what is it, what does it cost to build it? Right. Like, what is the space? You know, what are you giving up? Is it a shopping center? Is there plus of that? Is it minus? The first one you showed me, I'm like, it's even a worse location than you're already in. Like, why would you step backwards? You know, that was my reaction to it. I remember the one down the street. But all was karate like, karate <laughs> like, <"This> studio. Is,
2: <laughs> like, that's worse. Part of it is, though, it's the same mental process you go through buying a comb bean, yeah, buying a CEREC buying a Cram scan, is that we realize there again we're betting on ourselves. This is the ultimate bet on ourselves.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All <laughs> right. Yeah. So we so we realized two years in that we were outgrowing our space, that we were outgrowing the type of dentistry we're doing in our space, um, and all of that. Then we realized that we wanted to have a new building. And we spent two years going through the process. Uh, And part of that was, it's a lot of money, okay? Part of that is, you know, we got to find the right spot or not Mm -hmm. right spot. Part of that is, you know, we have ups and downs. We go spend a lot of time designing a place, doing all of that, and then that didn't work out or that didn't meet code or, you know, whatever it is, the landlord said X, Y, Z, all of those things. We go through the fears, Mm -hmm. okay, because – uh, what was your, uh, if you don't mind, what was your rent at the place next door? I me? Mean, when I say rent, I know you owned it, but you paid
2: rent to yourself. We paid me, we paid rent
0: $5,000, $5,000 a month. And this place is far above
2: $5,000 a month, correct? Probably six or seven X.
0: Yeah. So, you know, with there's going through the fear of that, going through the decision process on, on of that. Uh, and then, um, the other part I think we should talk about a little bit is, so when we build a new place, Um, our first thought is we want to do it the traditional way, which is, oh, it's 10 by 10 ops or it's 10 by 12 ops or, Hey, I can do it. And I have zero issues with design ergonomics. I like them. I've had their equipment in my office. Hey, I can get away with these skinnier ops and do all of this. And, and I remember when we, we've gone through that with Will and some other people, I've always said, what type of dentistry are you trying to do? So walk us through the decision process, Sully and Rick, of 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 the type of office you were trying to build. We know it, we want it to be beautiful. We want it to be this and that. But let's talk more about the functional part of that, which is, um, you know, operatory size, all of that stuff. What, what went into that thought process?
2: We wanted room.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, no,
1: again, this is where probably it was helpful to kind of work through things. Because when you get on Facebook, what you see is that there are um, – you know, you get camps, right? Like everybody, like breakaway is a big one, um, you know, dual entry, single entry. This is stuff I'd never even thought of. You know, I I was in big open bays where we just kind of cram stuff in uh, because it was what the space allowed and we kept adding on. And so one of the biggest exercises was starting to step back and decide, okay, how do we want to practice in the space and what do we want to do if we can design it for our own? And to me, I think that's one of the most important things that someone looking to build their own space or build out their own space should think about is how do you practice dentistry? Um, And what is probably my biggest pet peeve is when you ask for advice, you should ask them, how do they like to practice dentistry? Because If you're someone who likes to work for operatories and you know run around crazy, or or you maybe you don't do any surgery, or you you know whatever it is that you practice, you 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 would not be, uh, you shouldn't come to my office and look look at how we do things. Um, Depending on how you practice is how you should build your office. So as we started working through those exercises, we kind of looked and said, hey, we really like doing more comprehensive dentistry. We like doing longer appointments seeing less people doing a lot of IV sedation and, you know, and, and then from a storage standpoint, we really wanted to have kind of a central storage. So what happened ended up happening was we really took ideas from different camps to kind of mold them together to, to build out our own space, uh, kind of how we, how we
0: wanted to do it. Okay. So talk to us about more specifics about that. Like what changed along the way? Like how'd you end up with surgical operatories? How'd you, how'd you design? How are your hygiene <coughs> operatories different than your doctor? Did? Yeah. So it can't be, what I'm saying is it can't be a one size fit all. No. So, so mm-hmm. let's think about that. So you, I, in my, in my view, you have three different operatories right. in here. You have surgical operatories, you have dentist operatories, you have hygiene operatories and they're all three different. So the, the big, the obvious one was that we wanted to have uh, dad and I knew that we wanted yeah. to have some surgery operatories.
1: Um, and, and what made you what, tell me about the part of process. that was because, you know, having living in our, own, our old space, we knew that we would have, we wanted to have centrifuges, monitors, you'd have scanners, there was Heavy a lo- poles. you know, we wanted to have, we wanted to have more counter space to lay things out. So, so a, a traditional kind of small 12 o'clock cabinet with a dual entry model wasn't going to work for that. Uh, we wanted more privacy in those operatories. Um, You know, we didn't want side cabinetry necessarily, right? We knew that if we had all this cabinetry in the operatories, that stuff would get stored there. And, you know, I really wanted to cut down on the amount of space that people could store stuff because then it's like your house, you know, you find stuff uh, that you you, you never really realized you put places because it just gets there and sits there. Mm -hmm. Um, What was a big difference for us, which is kind of, I guess, on some level a little unique, is that... We wanted to do – we had two left-handed hygienists and three right-handed. So single entry wouldn't really work because a negative to single entry is it's going to limit on some level because well, it's
0: – single entry on the right side or the left side. Right, because then it puts
1: – yes. Yeah. And so for us, we did all of our hygiene and um, dual entry with 12 o'clock cabinets, patient uh, over-the-chair delivery from the chair – And uh, because we wanted to kind of accommodate that flexibility and hygiene. You know, you also don't need quite as much privacy (laughs) in the hygiene operatories maybe as you do uh, when you're doing, you know, more intensive stuff in in the doctor treatment rooms. So all of our doctor treatment rooms are 10 by 12, um, and they all have single entry.
0: All your general dentistry doctor rooms are 10 by 12. Correct.
1: Um, and then, which again is, is, a, is an excessive size relative to like, you know, it's not in my, it's, opinion, it's not in my, our opinion. Yeah. Right. But compared to some of the people that will say you only need 10 by 10, 10 by eight, stuff like that. Um, you know, it, and, and again,
0: again, based on the type of dentistry we're trying to do,
1: we, we've got 11,000 square feet and only 15 ops. Yeah. We could have put 20 ops or 30 ops, but our mentality is that I want to do, you know, it, it, my, my best day would see that I have, and not even a big implant hybrid stuff. My best day would that I would see one patient, they would be sedated. In the morning, and one I, I the afternoon. Do, right, and I would do three crowns and four fillings and a root canal on them, and then the afternoon would be something similar to that. It's it's,
2: it's general dentistry in no, a let's, comprehensive Let's clarify. Manner. He's going to go home in the afternoon. I'm going to see patients. Yeah, them. I'm going to do <laughs> one patient like afternoon. that and then go
1: play golf or
0: whatever. But, well, you're just jealous. I know.
1: Um, <laughs> and then in the surgery, we wanted, um, and then we kept the same thing on hygiene. So
0: still... Uh, 10 by 12,
1: 10 by 12 in hygiene again, just dual entry, just dual entry.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and the doctors, we went 12 by 15. I mean the surgery upstairs. Okay. That was a concern at first. Again, that is too big, not too big, but what was surgery going to look like upstairs? Mm-hmm. You know, now we're putting, you know, we got multiple floors based <laughs> off the land, you know, trying to partition where stuff goes, you know, is that going to be weird having different stuff on both floors? And it, I mean, we have two sterilizations. But well, we you still know, don't know what that's
0: like because we, we haven't started we yet. don't, but <laughs>
1: right? Um, but conceptually, it makes sense but to con- me. And conceptually, it gave us the opportunity to, let's say that Sullivan Dental Partners decides that we're not, um, we want to, you know, I don't know, at some point, we're not going to be here anymore and someone uses this space. Well, now the space is basically two offices, right? Yeah. It's got its own waiting room, its own store. So, so that made a lot of sense to create these segments in the space that would do different things. Um, but again... It all came back to the core of how we want to practice and what we want to do. And that's important.
0: And I want to add to that, it's not just how you want to practice today, but also looking at or dreaming about how you want to practice three, four, five years from now. Because, you know, my vision for you, Rick, is you know, one year, two years, three years from you from now, Rick is literally the guy that comes in and I'm gonna do a surgery couple of times a week and i'm going to be out of here i know you mentally don't like that idea but you know you'll get to a point where, where you like that and my vision for sully is almost very similar it's where you're coming in you're doing just the dentistry you want to do maybe you don't want to leave you want to go downstairs and visit with your patients so you stay connected to them okay uh and and then and then the general dentistry practice in my opinion should be run by either future partners or other associates um, so you know, I think that there's an important aspect of that that we should build our practice not just for where we're at, but where we want to do. Because I'm a firm believer: if you build it, you will find a way to build to that. You know, you'll find a way to fill
2: field of dreams. And
0: that's it. probably like like Dad's definitely been like really good about
1: le- letting me kind of have those like five ten year dreams. You know, like we. Mm-hmm. So one of the big exercises that we went through was. Do we take the whole building versus not? Right, right. Because initially the plan was yeah. Not. I remember
0: I remember talking about that. The yeah, going to take half the building and
1: right, at least the upstairs mm-hmm. or at least part of the upstairs. And so you know, going through the exercise of laying it out without that.
0: And that's an opportunity cost. Like, how much rent are you going to get?
1: And then looking at calling our real estate buddies, mm-hmm. seeing what rent we could get, doing the math on that, and saying, "Oh gosh, well if I just do, you know, if I'm only getting, oh, I'm going to
0: get four grand a month in rent,
1: then." Then it didn't make sense. No. So that was that was super... So, so the decisions we were making along those sides of design, <laughs> layout, taking the whole building, you know, those were... We tried to not make emotional I remember that decisions. Actually.
0: I remember the building wasn't quite this big at one point in time. It was a little like smaller. It, and then the build... You guys are only going to take half the building and then, you know, either the top floor <clears throat> or the so, bottom floor. So it,
2: by doing the lease exercise mm-hmm. previously, we realized that we needed... Six thousand six thousand five hundred feet to really get what we wanted mm-hmm. at with this time, it, with, with, with the number of operatories and team room and things like that. And so we realized that the one floor, basically five thousand feet here, wasn't going to be enough. Okay. And so this goes back to our discussion of a, of previously, me sort of stepping back from my oh my gosh we got we got to rent half of this. Mm-hmm. Give him the opportunity and the dignity to make this thing work and let's play it out. Let me not try to control it, not try to yeah. micromanage it. I think the
0: dignity you wasn't know. to let it make it work. The dignity was to let him go through the process of seeing what it would take to right. work. You know, let him find out.
2: And then yeah. me being open-minded enough to listen. Yeah. And then running that by my planner and stuff and said, okay, okay. This is gonna work
0: because I think it you know I remember talking to Sully about this and I was talking to him like dude why are you going through all this trouble for five grand in rent
2: mm-hmm.
0: like you don't want somebody there to stifle your growth blah 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 <laughs> I'm like you know for a parking yeah I mean and then you' got to Deal with somebody. I mean, like,
2: oh, yeah. who the hell wants to right deal now, with somebody? Right now, he and I have the keys. Yeah, I don't have to worry about who else is coming in here at ten o'clock yeah. on Saturday night.
0: You know, and especially you know, so so to me, that yes, the the business side, the pure business side, is like, oh, you want to rent it? You don't want to waste space. But then there's an opportunity cost of that, mm-hmm. you know. And, and to me, the opportunity cost. Let's say you lose five grand a month, and it takes you, it's two three years before you really grow into this place. Mm-hmm. That's one hundred eighty thousand dollars. In the scheme of things, that's nothing.
2: That's less than mass month's production.
0: I mean, that's nothing, right? So the opportunity of uh, the opportunity, leaving it open, it's like when people ask me, why don't you rent out the retreat? I'm like, because if they take up a Friday or Saturday,
2: this messed up your weekend.
0: Dude, it, it, it screws up a course. Right. And that three, four, five, ten, 000, whatever dollar amount it is I get in rent to rent out my training center, is, 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 it's a drop in the bucket. Like one extra course. Any time I demand it is worth any number of rent i 'll get for two years exactly And that 's you know,
2: what, what we found out here
0: yeah and, and so that's the opportunity cost so okay, so now let's talk about uh, while Sully has left us for a second here um, and i'm sorry this has gone longer than we anticipated, no, uh, but I you think you know it's a me, great, I, how I think stuff. it's a great conversation I, i'm just i'm all in it um, all right, so now let 's talk about. <clears throat> Let's talk about the, this. Uh, now, I'm glad it's just me and you because I hear, I, I'm hearing things from Sully, and I don't know your reaction or your thought process on it. Well, you know.
2: the, the one kicker here that I think is really important to put is, is that, you know, 58 years old, I'm moving into a brand new, mm-hmm. basically a, a, about a $6 million mm-hmm. all-in That's a cost. a lot, mo- lot of money. <laughs> you know, is, I was able to sell my place. Right. Okay, so I was pretty equityed up mm-hmm. because I've had it since 1993. Yeah, your so, cost
0: basis wasn't what you
2: sold it no, for. So I was able to, you know, get a significant nest egg a few weeks ago when we closed. That's all going to go in funding retirement plans for me. So there's definitely some advantages there. You know, plus yeah. I'm going halves into this where I was whole into that. Right. So, you know, this is some long term. And, long-term and financial people are going to say, too. "Well,
0: the half is now three million, but it's self funded." And yeah. the and the business pays for it, yeah. right? So, and I know you're part of the business, but the business is revenueing, it's cash flowing, right. they're paying for. it. And this is a great segue into the next conversation. I I remember Sully talking about how busy you guys were, and and I we hear this from lots of people. I'm busy. I need this. I need that. And I go, well, why don't you just get another dentist? Because we don't have the space. And my response was. Well, why, why have you gone through the process of what it would look like to, to bring a third dentist in? So, again, let's let's kind of frame it here, okay? We're in 2,700 square feet-ish, okay? We're two dentists, eight operatories. We're now, at this point, I think you guys are almost at two and so, a half, so, three million dollars so
2: million, $3 million. We're in the summer of 2020. Right. This post was a, lockdown, a yeah. post-COVID, or smack dab in the middle of this. Yeah.
0: And, and at this point, your practice has grown from 1.4 to 1.5. And what, you, and I think at that point, you had 2.5, 2.8, something like that. You know, maybe 3 million. You're over I, 3 last year. Yeah. So, well, so, so you're, you know, you're clearly you have maxed out everything you can get out of this business. Mm-hmm. Out of that space, I should say. And then Solly's like, I'm like, well, why don't you get another dentist? You need another dentist. You need another dentist. And he's like, well, where am I going to put them? He goes, I'm just going to wait till we get to the building. I go, well... Like your building is going to be at that time I thought it was going to be like 4 million, not 6 million, okay? I'm like you're going from a $5,000 rent to a $25,000 rent. And uh like why wait to pay that 20 why wait to incur to incur a 20 grand up up cost? Yeah. So why don't you at least just look at what it would look like to So when he came to you and said I want to bring a third dentist into our current space, what was your initial thought to that?
2: Well, because I was used to him coming to me with ideas now <laughs> and and honestly, in all fairness ninety five percent of them had worked out really well. you know it was like with employees, whenever we lost an employee, I'd get all bit out of shape about it, and he would say dad is is the new person better than what we had?" yeah, and I'm like, I like I'd kind of have to shake my head and go, "Yeah, you're right, you know so that being said, it's like, okay, at this point, I'm like, all right, let's – what's the next idea, yeah. you know?
0: So, Solly, what I'm talking about here is the – the. so we're trying – you know, we're getting to the end of the story here uh, because I know it's long, okay? Um, we were talking about we're at 2,700 square feet. You're at two dentists. You've grown from $1.5 to $3 million-ish, you know, plus or minus 100000 on either end. Uh, you've obviously maxed out that building. You want to wait – to bring in a third dentist for when you get into the building. Right. And I'm just always saying, I'm not saying yes or no. I'm just saying, have you thought about what it would look like to bring the third dentist in? And I was just asking you, Dad, what, what kind of, what crazy thoughts went through his head when you said, I think we can bring a third dentist in into our current space. And I think this is so important because I think too many people say, I can't, I can't bring somebody in until, until I get this. Right, And I'm always of the mindset of let's prove it because,
2: you know, maybe you should just stay in your building. So this was kind of like bringing Sully in round two. Right. I'd I'd already done this before and it worked. Right. So I was like, now
1: the, the the logistics part of it was trying to get creative, right? Because yeah. we we, we our, our thought was okay, we'll wait.
0: And at this point, you guys only open four days a week. We're only correct? open
1: four days a week. Um, you know, Dad's always kind of t- dabbled the idea of like a Friday, you know, for Here and surgeries, there. Yeah. but not but not really committed to that. And so then we thought, okay, well, how can we get creative with the schedule? What, so we we looked at okay, if we hire a fourth doctor, when can we work? Obviously, the third dentist, the third. the third doctor. Sorry, if I hire a third doctor, obviously we have Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're all here, that's three docks and four chairs, and we run a pretty robust assistant column already mm. with, like, sleep, some ortho. ortho. Yeah. So, like, that's going to really kind of put us at one chair per doc, Which
0: I think is doable, but there's some definitely challenges
1: with Mentally, it. that was it's a huge, huge barrier a lot of because, yeah. I mean, Dad, remember when I got there before? He was running all three of Three chairs. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm trying to get him to go one. To one chair right. after well, I've already kind
2: of got if, him that to was two. The, that was the biggest, hardest step for me. And so will tell you it still is.
0: Yeah, it still is. <laughs> I get the calls every once in a while. It still is, but he's getting better.
1: Um, and so and I mean and not and not lose the production because remember we're all st- we're still independent people with retirement plans, yeah. with families. Well, and I we got we gotta make our number,
0: right? And I think also even more pressure now because you know you've gotta make this down payment for right. this the, building. The building's coming. You know this building is coming. Well, well, we're getting so, bills. Right. So you're like, I gotta produce too. I we, remember having We've these, never felt that pressure. Yeah. You've so never I've felt never that i never felt that pressure, pressure yeah. before. He has. Yeah. When you so were coming sure. in. i never felt you know, it before. You know, but now you're feeling that pressure.
1: Um and so we started looking at cha- – so, so then not only am I asking him to go to one chair, but now I'm asking him to go to three days clinically. So yeah. I said, here's what I, w- I think we can three do. Three days doing dentistry. Three days doing dentistry. So here's <laughs> what I want to do. I want to go to where um, basically you and I have um, three days where we do dentistry and one day where we just do hygiene checks and – consults And consults. So like a, an, a consult day kind of a deal. And where basically that's that's no production essentially mm-hmm. virtually and um no direct production no direct production right it, it, what 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 was crazy was it became my most production most, most important day. day yeah most important day it was ever the, it was the i'm not giving it up now yeah. we have more chairs than ever and i'll yeah. have one day that will just be We'll oh. just be consultants. All right, so,
0: so let's come back to this. So we had talked about, so you, your mindset was, let's wait, we'll get in the building, then we can bring somebody in. My said was, just go through the exercise of what it would look like, and we had worked through some of this. And and even,
1: just as, even as far as like interviewing, because yeah. at the time, we weren't even considering interviewing people, and you're like, dude, it may take you a year to find the, the right, right person. fit It's, it's right a person. Gr- it's
0: a great thing. Now you don't have to make a decision. Now you literally right. can just interview, interview, and find the right person. Right, you know? with no but pressure. Right, so so now I, I my, my first thought was, okay, you want to bring somebody in four days a week. That's full-time at sure, the end of the day, right. okay? Yep. So where do we find four days? Correct. Okay, so we have Friday. That's one. Okay, that's one. And then my initial says, why don't you just both cut down to three days? Right. Okay, and so that's two and three, yep. right? So suddenly, just by doing that, we're, we're, we've got three of the four days that we need to bring an associate in a in current space and, and, I, and I didn't say let's cut to three days and not work the fourth day. Let's make the fourth day your, your hygiene day, right? right? So in other words, think about this. Now you're doing, I'm going to make up the days here. Mm-hmm. Rick's going to be working Monday, and he's going to be focused on all his big cases where going to check hygiene is a hindrance. Clinically, for right. good dentistry. Right. But Sully's there. He's dedicated to checking hygiene. Yeah. That gives Meghna the opportunity to focus on speed, not having to get up, all of those things, correct? I spend more time with a patient. I probably yeah. diagnose more dentistry. And then, then Tuesday's is the opposite. Sully's yep. doing his big cases, and Rick's there to do the hygiene and to mentor yep. the associate. You know. And then Wednesday's the crazy day. Like, it's all hands on deck. And then now Rick doesn't work, you know, whatever. Now you go to working Fridays, you take Mondays off, whatever it may be, to suddenly... it just the puzzle pieces fit together To where you were able, you guys were able to, with creative thinking and a different mindset, were able to run three dentists out of eight chairs and essentially fund this building. Because now we went from so I was mentioning that we went from one point five I say we as
2: a, you you were <laughs> along the road yeah, with you're events. actually part of the way yeah, I'm part of the way I get that, but you're not equitable partner
0: I'm a, I'm a, I don't <laughs> win in any, I, I win I win a lot in this because it's I don't win economically, but I win in so much joy
2: and, and pleasure and proudness. you win your white white children yeah <laughs>
0: um, so we saw the practice go from one point five to three million. Now we're going from $5,000 in rent to twenty five thirty thousand dollars 30000 in rent. And and uh, and that's a direct pay cut to you guys ultimately, okay, is how right. I looked at it. And now we've gone from, in the span of building the office and bringing in the associate, we've gone from $3 million to $4 million. Right. So now when you move here, the rent is already paid. I'm not saying it's prepaid, but you're not questioning where's the money coming from.
1: Well, and I've noticed it because, like, we've – Dad and I have continued to make the same amount with our expenses significantly higher. Right, yeah. we're we're paying. Yeah, you're for funding the that mortgage. Are, you're paying interest only, and all right. that. So yeah. all these things that we're paying, and it's like, well, gosh, and a lot of these are one-time expenses. TVs, thing, but it's still these big. Expenses that adds up to 20 grand not, in
0: cash. We're still not feeling, feeling that. Yeah, which is crazy. And to me, the other part, the important. the To me, the long-term important part of that is, and I hope people are following along as we're talking about this, and what I mean by they funded it is they proved the concept. Number one, they proved that they need three
2: dentists. So let me show you that there's Mm -hmm. one part of this variable that's really that's even more fun, because at this point, we're just jumping on, we're piling on. Yeah. January, we said we're going to have five hygienists in the new building. Yeah. So we go, okay. Let's add a fifth hygienist.
1: Because you, you proved to, you proved to both of us that like okay we could get creative we could do this yeah
2: and so, and
0: when this is not even expanded hours yet outside of
1: Fridays yeah, yeah we haven't gone like though, I'm like why don't you go seven to five seven? <laughs> right so so yeah so keep going dad so because genu- I didn't want to we didn't want to go into the we didn't want to have to get here and then, then grow our hygiene yeah. department
2: so Sully so goes okay we're gonna hire let's hire a hygienist okay how are we gonna do it so Sully so works Monday through Thursday
1: mm-hmm.
2: with Megana. I work Tuesday through Friday. But Friday gets to be is my go day, so I get to kind of by myself, mm-hmm. double up. It makes me happy.
1: And then the hygiene, hygienists, we moved around. to, So they had a Monday to Thursday and a mm-hmm. Tuesday to Friday schedule. Yes,
2: yeah, right. so, yeah, so we divvied up. And then we hired a hygienist, so she was able to fill in the days the other hygienist had given up to go. Like Monday May. and
1: Friday. Yeah.
2: And so we ended up where we asked Megan to go to three days. To
1: do what we were doing, right. go to a so consult day. So she gives
2: up Wednesday for her chair, for her consult day, check hygiene day, mm-hmm. admin day. So now we have a hygienist working in the doctor ops on Wednesday mm-hmm. alongside us while she's doing overflow. He's got a chair, I've got a chair.
0: And the beauty of that Magnica can pop Ma- doing Ma- production, fill in doing a easy
2: yeah. Megan's production has gone up.
1: Because yeah. she's diagnosing more, doing more. Mm-hmm. So, so, so and
0: then and you it's can do been some, crazy. some some
1: level of same day dentistry. So now so now we got the hygienist to three days. And then lastly, uh, the bonus here was our sterile tech as a retired hygienist who we asked to come back and do one day on that Monday. To gain us the fourth day, no. to where we've running, we're running five hygienists, full time hygienists, out of four hygiene chairs yeah. in our current space.
0: So, so you don't need the new building, in theory, right? That's what I. That's what was so crazy was
1: I looked at that a couple weeks ago. I said the crazy part is we don't need the new building yet. I mean, you if you stayed there, you're so profitable. I know. <laughs> I know. Don't,
2: don't even tell me that.
1: Well, but what we did? So what we do? We put an ad out. And never got, know how long it takes to get a fourth doctor. And, uh, our fourth doctor did started and did one crown in the new building on the last day.
0: It, it, it's, it's three a, mils. <laughs> <laughs> it took him three mils, but what's what, all right. But so again, so one year ago, the conversation was, we're going to add the next hygienist and the next dentist when we move to the new building today, day one in the new building, by the way, today, in my opinion, this is day one in the new building for you guys. Monday's the day one in the new building. Um, you're adding your fourth dentist and your sixth hygienist so,
2: in the new building. So when he got out of school and started in 2015, I had seven employees. Yeah, we're moving over here with 20. Yeah, we run. We're out. Of, we were so backed up in that building. You literally, we were so, there was a line for the bathroom.
0: Well, you have to go through the consult room to get the bathroom. But
2: yeah. I mean, it was we had we on some level we kind of peaked too soon. Yeah. a month or two too soon.
0: And, and so to me, the whole point in bringing all of this up is, is don't ever hinder your growth. Don't wait to go through the process. And you may have gone through the process and said it didn't work. And so now, to me, there's a level of critical thinking and creative thinking that, that's been instilled that no matter what, the answer is not it can't work. All right, let me see how it would work. And in my opinion, your, your, your dental lifestyle is better because now you're hustling three days a week instead of four days a week. You have a day where you're planting lots of good seeds. So many seeds, yeah. You know, and, and you've, you've moved here and you've proven how you're going to pay for it. And, and what's lost in all of this is now, because as we all, any of us that have ever built anything new or built something, what we all know is there's always cost overruns or areas where we make like all right, let's let's cheap out on that, or let's not do that right now. And so along the way, as you're hitting three, three one, three two, three three, three four, whatever the numbers are, you're like, okay, we can make that decision. We can we can go ahead and fit ten chairs. Hey, we can go ahead and finish this space. We can go ahead and have this luxury.
1: Well, that flexibility, and I and I have a, I have a saying that I say to the team all the time, same time is, I won't let. I won't let spending money inhibit our growth, yep. you know, and, and so, and that may be, that may be adding a new x-ray sensor. Yep. The minute I hear that we're having a bottleneck, mm-hmm. get, get it, get the x-ray yeah. sensor. The minute I hear we're having a bottleneck with this, you know, whatever it is, I get it. We just, we refuse to be getting our own way Yeah. On on some level with some of those things. It's crazy.
0: It's an amazing story. And I hope that You listen to this whole thing, and I know it's long, and there's some ups and downs and peaks and valleys and every story, but there is so much good stuff in this, no matter where you're at in your career. Whether you're solo and you want to bring in an associate, what Rick and I talked about at the beginning is so important. Whether you're an associate, thinking about where you want to go, what kind of practice you want to be in, there's so much in there for you whether that you're an associate, how you want to succeed and really integrate yourself into a practice, there's so many lessons there. As your as, as an owner who maybe hasn't funded retirement as well as they should have, there's some lessons there. You know, there, there's so many lessons along the way of how to become a good partner, where you have to, you know, where's the give and take in all of this. The The mindset of replace yourself, you know, learning to to get more stuff le- learning to add and subtract to your to your building and and then proving the concept before you get there, why wait to be successful you know wh- whether it's the you know dollar you know dom- decimal point versus comma thinking there's there's so many lessons of the things that we're teaching at 3 d dentist and that's what I try to get across and it's not self serving in a sense I try to get across to people is just just be just. There's so much value in the in the mindset of just 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 thinking it through. Critical thinking is what I keep calling it. Thinking through what would it look like to make that work. And so instead of moving in here at two and a half or three million in revenue, you're moving in at four million in revenue, you're gonna you're gonna quadruple at six X your rent plus more, and you won't feel it. And and it's a testament. To, number one it's a testament to you rick it is it uh, really is. It, to to the mindset i mean i, I want to i i don't mean this in any disrespectful way but i want to go through Al just so i can get so i can learn that i mean the, because i need that because i'm i'm and, and i say this very 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 proudly and and not so proudly i'm not where you guys are at because i don't have your dad's mentality that 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 difference in our men, that because I was you in two thousand eleven is probably me today mentally. And we joke all the time. If if
1: I came to work for you five years ago, we would
0: have failed. One failed thousand me. percent we would have failed. If Tons of to, talent. Yeah. If you came for, to work for me today, we'd we do still, amazing no we well, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, we'd, we'd, I totally agree do, with you. Totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we'd butt heads our, for sure. Our, but our perception's different yeah, now. Yeah. Probably because of 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 some a lot of what being around him. Yeah. Yeah. I would be so much farther along if I had your mentality. Thank you. I really would. I'd be double where I'm now, and I've done pretty well, you know. And uh, uh, it's it's such a testament to you. And people think it's easy to bring in your 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 son daughter. People think it's easy to buy. Oh,
2: consultants told us war stories.
0: Yeah, well, didn't they? You think it's easy to buy land from family members? Yeah. <laughs> you think it's easy to build a building next door to where you're at? I would say that's a negative because every free moment you get, you we want to be here. over here. Do we
1: work? There were right. times
0: where, like, they're like,
1: "Dude, you have to come back." There's this, there's you know, there's, the there's
0: some benefit of out of sight, out of mind, a little bit, right? So, so many things that I just come here and I'm so, so daggone happy for you guys and so proud of of you, Rick. I'm so proud of you. Oh my God! And uh, Sully, I'm a little proud of you too. <laughs> Thanks, so. Steve. So anyway, thank you guys for tuning into this very long episode. So, I hope so we get to me, keep let this me episode add one forever. Point. Yes. Uh, and it is
2: just a wrap from my, my standpoint. We got here because we continually invested in ourselves and technology. Yeah. When Sully got here, I pushed him in CE and technology. He pushed me farther in CE and technology. We continued to push that envelope, and that's what really got us to that next level and yeah. the next level.
0: I always say technology is just a prop to help you make things easier. Mm-hmm. You know, beams a prop for me to talk about sleep apnea. beams a prop to help me talk about dental implants. beams a prop to help me talk about missing dentistry. You know, technology, you know, pictures, like even things like the stupid TVs, the vertical TVs. It's a prop to have, you know, to yeah, subliminally have conversations yeah. with patients, you know, mirror, a hand mirror is a prop, you know, to help make discussions easier. It's, it's technology makes things easier you ultimately still have to kick the door open and, and make it happen. So everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to such a long episode. Uh, who knows what'll come to it. If nothing else, Sully and Rick will have a memory for a lifetime and thank for you. the next generation. So thank you. Thank you guys so much. Hey, podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.